Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to the Faith Roots Podcast today. This is part five of the Covenants of Promise. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you hadn't done that already. And uh, make sure you are getting the email, the free email that comes every morning to go along with this. And uh, all you got to do is is, uh, go to myfaithroots.com. And you can sign up right there online, and uh, we'll make sure you get that email right away. Ephesians 2.12, 26 translations. You had no connection with Christ. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and outside of God's covenants and the promise that goes with them. So that was us. We were without God. And one of the things that we're learning is that God deals with people on the basis of covenant and There's no better covenant to study than the covenant that God made with Abram. Now let me explain why. God made a covenant with Moses, but Jesus fulfilled the covenant with Moses. The covenant of Moses is not enforced today with us. It's not there. God made a covenant with David, but that covenant belonged to David, that one of his heirs would become the king of Israel. That doesn't apply to all of us. But this covenant that God made with Abraham is still in force. It is called in a number of places. It's called an everlasting covenant. It is the covenant that God took and enlarged so that we as Gentiles could come into it. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29, the Bible says, And if you are Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and your heirs according to the promise. Well, why would you want to be Abraham's seed? Because Galatians 3, 13 and 14, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We have been called into this covenant. We've been grafted into the family of Abraham. No place does it say in the New Testament that we've been grafted into the family of Moses or the family of David. We are grafted into the family of Abraham. We've been brought into this covenant family. So when we read about Abram, Abraham as he later became known, we can learn some things about how God deals with us. These are pictures. They're like little snapshots, and they're symbolic of how God would deal with us in this day, this time. So we read this story of Abram in the book of Genesis that in verse uh, chapter 14, a very powerful group of kings, and we referred to this last lesson a little bit, but we're going to get into it a little deeper here. A very powerful group of kings from Babylon, from Elam, which was southern Iran. They raided the Jordan Valley. They carried away captives, including Lot, the nephew of Abram. And Abram had made a covenant with three of his very powerful neighbors. Now, Abram was the most powerful, but but these other guys were powerful too. Genesis 14, verses 13 and 14. Now, Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre the Amorite, a brother of Eshcol, and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abraham. 
When Abraham heard, or Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Now, Abram was serious about this. He wasn't going to let this go. And, you know, he could have taken the approach, you know, Lot made a stupid decision. I could have told him not to go to Sodom. If he hadn't been in Sodom, he wouldn't have gotten captured. He could have said that. He could have said he was disrespectful toward me by choosing first, and and he would have had a right to say that. But he was in covenant with Lot. And because he was in covenant with Lot, he had to go fight for Lot. And because these other guys were in covenant with Abram, if he's going to fight, they're going to fight. So uh, this is a fabulous lesson about loyalty and bonding together. And it shows us something about the character of God, how that God has chosen to bind himself to us and to fight our battles. Abram was not a man to be trifled with. You know, he had a large village of tents. If he had 318 trained servants... And let's suppose that, say, 200 of these guys are married, so they've all got a wife and at least one kid. There's a 1,000 people or more who live in his tent village. Abram was not a poor man. Genesis 13, 2 says he was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. He had to be. He had to pay all these people. He had to support these people. If he did nothing but feed these people and give them room and board, uh, and they had a safe place to live working with him, Uh, It was still very demanding on his financial resources. And remember now, God promised him a surplus. God said, I will bless you so you can be a blessing. And so that's surplus. If Abram doesn't have this force, if it's just Abram and Sarai and a few other people, a few other servants, he's a sitting duck. Every raider group that comes into the neighborhood is going to come by and steal all of his stuff. But they didn't. Because these were trained servants. These are guys who didn't take baloney off of anybody. And Abram sent those people. uh, He sent those guys. Actually, he led them. And they went in pursuit of all the kings who had come from the east. So what I want you to see is this. God blessed Abram with plenty, but there was a purpose in the plenty. The plenty was to protect him and his family. Think about what happens if Abram is not blessed with this surrounding force. Then he's a setting duck, and the words of the Lord don't come true. The Messiah is killed in the loins of Abram, and he never gets to be born because God made a promise to Abram that all of the earth would be blessed through his family. So God has to protect the man, and he uses this private army to do it. Now... Abram had a strategy in going after these raiders. And somebody said, how do you know that? Well, the Bible says that he followed these raiders all the way to Dan. Now, Dan is way up on the northern end of Israel, probably over 120 or 30 miles, which would have been a significant distance in those days. Ultimately... They fought till they got very near to Damascus, which was another uh, several dozen miles to the north. But here's why this is important. These guys had raided. They were no doubt slowed down by all the stuff they had captured, all of the men, women, and children they had. So they couldn't travel quickly. Abram was able to overtake them. He was able to catch up to them. But they were far enough north, they thought, were home free. 
and there is nobody in the land of Canaan in an organized city at that time who could do anything. The big cities were over in the Jordan Plain, so they had already taken them and conquered them, and so they're not fearing anybody. Now, Abram was ready to go. He had a strategy. And, uh, you know, God doesn't give victory until you have a strategy. That's always been my thing. When, whenever I believe God is calling me to do something, my, my big question is, God, what's my strategy? You don't just go to battle. You have to have a strategy. God gave me a strategy for doing the Gospel Bill TV show, studio and the, and the show back there beginning in 1984. Actually started in 1982, but we syndicated in 1984. Now let me tell you what happened between 82 and 84. During that season, the cost of duplicating a VHS video cassette, and remember if you're old as me, you remember there were two kinds of video cassettes. There were beta cassettes and there were VHS machines. Now, Sony would not license the other manufacturers to make uh, their uh, kind of recorders. Sony uh, cassettes were actually a superior product to the VHS, but they didn't allow lots of other companies. So uh, what happened is the other companies that had a license to make the VHS tapes and the recorders and the players, uh, they won the market. And so VHS became the dominant thing, which was great for us because we only had to duplicate one kind of tape, and most people had the VHS recorder player. And at the time, the cost of duplicating a tape dropped from like $50 to $60 a tape down to less than 5 bucks, which allowed me to put two episodes of the Gospel Bill Show on a VHS cassette tape for less than $5, and I could sell that tape for about 15 bucks. That was the market value for that. That's what put me on the air. That's what paid my bills. I thought I was going to pay the bills through offerings, but offerings never came in. But sales of cassettes put me on the map. That's how I was able to travel and pay our bills and keep my staff paid and all of the things that we did happened because of that. I had a strategy. And uh, listen to me. If you want to be blessed like Abraham was blessed, you need to start thinking about a strategy. What's your strategy? If you don't have a plan, God can't bless you. You have to know what the plan is, and then you work the plan. God blesses plans. God had a strategy for the salvation of the world. He sent His Son to become the Savior he sent him to Israel, raised him in a Jewish family, sent him to people who knew about the things of God. He fulfilled all of the shadows and the symbols of the law. He was crucified at the time when the Romans had conquered the land of Israel and when crucifixion was in force. Had Jesus come 300 years earlier, he would not have been crucified. He couldn't fulfill what the prophets had said about his death. And so uh, Jesus came at just the right season, just the right time. God had a plan. He had a strategy. He knew how it would unfold, and that's how he rescued and redeemed the world. And, and if he had a strategy, then where does that leave you and me? We need strategies. So I would say to you, begin to think about your strategy. Abraham had a strategy in attacking the raiders. The other thing that he did was that he divided his men to attack them in the night. And the Bible says he routed them. So he used the element of surprise and hit them at night. And no doubt 
because there were so many of them, they wandered just a few feet away from their own tents and they began to attack their own uh, allied armies because they, they didn't know all the guys in the army. They see a stranger and they, they kill him and then his friend kills uh, the first guy and the next thing you know, it's on like Donkey Kong and, and there's great confusion in the camp and Abram is able to win this great battle. God blessed him in battle. And, and later on, Later on, um, Gideon would follow the example of Abram and had roughly the same number of men. Abraham had 318 and Gideon had 300. So this is one of the provisions of the Abrahamic covenant. God says, I'll bless him who blesses you. I'll curse him who curses you. These people cursed Abraham. They cursed his nephew Lot. Abraham had this great victory. Now, even though he had a strategy. It was still supernatural. He had to have God's help, and God did give him help. And, and this victory must have been unexpected, and I'll show you why. Genesis 14, 18, 19, and 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now this is a symbol of communion, and Melchizedek is a priest that Jesus would follow after, and he would be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. He was priest of God Most High. He blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now, Melchizedek said, Look, this is amazing what just happened. God delivered your enemies into your hand. In other words, he's saying, Abram, I know you're brave and you fought, but... What you did, you, you, you faced overwhelming odds, and God delivered you in this fight. And Abram knew it. Abram had to know that. So what does Abram do when Melchizedek comes out and brings the bread and wine and celebrates this? He gives him one-tenth of all of the spoil he has captured from these enemy kings. Doesn't take anything from the people of Sodom, Gomorrah, and the other cities. He lets them reclaim their stuff. But he takes and he gives a tenth part of what he captured from the kings of the east, and he gives a tithe, pays the tithe. Tenth part, tithe means the same thing. Now, there are people who would say, you know, tithing is Old Testament. Yes, it is Old Testament. But what you have to understand is it's not Mosaic Covenant. Tithing was introduced when the law of faith was at work. Tithing was introduced even before the Abrahamic Covenant. You see it all the way back in the Garden of Eden. I believe that what we have going on with Cain and Abel is a tithe. Abraham, or I'm sorry, Adam and Eve had a tithe in the middle of the Garden of Eden. God said, don't eat the fruit of the tree. This is forbidden. You can have all the other trees. Don't eat that tree. So what's going on here is God is saying, I want you to honor me. I want you to see that there are some things that you won't use and you won't touch, you won't take. You honor me with that. And that's what Abraham did right here. And that's one of the reasons I believe he was blessed financially the way that he was. And this is, by the way, 400 years before the law of Moses. Now, was tithing a part of the law of Moses? Yes, it was. But it didn't begin in the law of Moses. If you're going to say tithing ended with the law of Moses, then you have to say it began with the law of Moses, and it didn't begin with the law of Moses. Now, the Abrahamic covenant is an everlasting covenant. And this is one of the blessings of the covenant. I, I see it here with Abraham, and, and I believe God has this for you. 
God has a strategy for your life. God gave me strategies. God gave me strategies to do the things that I did. I learned how to follow plans. God gave me ideas. You don't just go out and conquer. You conquer because you have a plan. God doesn't just give you money. You have a plan that you work that brings the money in. So that's part of this covenant blessing that belongs to you and to me. Wow. Well, this strategy continues on to the New Testament. This is one of my favorite verses. I'm going to read it here. Acts 19.10. This went on for two years. This is the Apostle Paul talking. So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, everybody who lived in Asia Minor, they heard the Word of God. Why? Because Paul had a strategy. What is this? It's the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. Because God gave Abraham strategies, every one of his children. David had a strategy. He took stones out to fight Goliath. Uh, God gave him a strategy, a strategy that worked. Goliath was off guard. He left his forehead exposed, and David was able to get a stone right into his forehead. That was a strategy. And uh, God has always given strategies to his people, and you're no different. And so the whole purpose of this lesson today is to encourage you to find the strategy of God. And I would just say to you, pray for that. Ask God to show you the strategy that it has for you because I promise you, He's got one. And you may be working it now, but there may be some more that you hadn't seen yet. Well, that's all the time we've got for today. Be sure you share this. Tell somebody about our podcast. If this has been a blessing to you, then let it be a blessing to somebody else. Help me spread the word and send people to MyFaithRoots.com and sign up for the email and then subscribe to our YouTube channel. And I want to thank you for being partner with me on this. See you next time.